0: and closing theme is by midnight syndicate for more dark instrumental music like it visit www.midnightsyndicate.com or find them on youtube spotify apple or alexa true crime
1: stories are discussed in this podcast which may contain graphic and disturbing content listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Freshly Brewed
0: Noir. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Summer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is episode 35. Henry Louis Wallace, a.k.a. the Taco Bell Killer.
0: Jennifer, you were saying Taco Bell Killer doesn't sound scary to you.
1: Not even a little bit. (laughs) Unless it's like...
0: Taco Digestive Bell issues. Yes. <laughs> it's
1: like, yeah, eating Taco Bell.
0: then that's scary. Yes. Okay. Well, I did my research uh, properly, like you told me to, and I went and tried out some Taco Bell. I am so proud. Did you try uh, the um, Mexican pizza? No, I was so disappointed. They were sold out. Is it like a Just hot commodity or something? I think it's Doja Cat. I think she... What? <laughs> does think... she, like, promote it? She did. She did a song on her TikTok. They brought it back. And I think everybody decided to go buy it because they were sold out.
1: You have to show me this.
0: I'll show you you it you'll love it but tell me what you got since they were sold out of the mexican pizza i ended up getting two pintos and cheese i went hardcore for the beans okay well you went hardcore (laughs) that is true (laughs) and everything was fine i was i didn't have any issues really yeah really
1: well you know what? maybe
0: a little bit of indigestion not like it wasn't too terrible no it wasn't terrible Mm -mm. oh my gosh Did you have any enzymes or anything? And I didn't even take enzymes. Straight to the gut. Wow. Pintos
1: and cheese. I can't even process this. I mean, maybe they've improved the recipe since I've
0: (laughs) tried it. I don't know. The recipe. (laughs) Act like it's Martha Stewart out there. Like, let's improve this recipe. (laughs) I mean,
1: I can't tell you how many times I've regretted getting Taco Bell. But, I mean, that was years ago. So maybe, you know, they're on a
0: better path. Maybe. You should give it another go.
1: I don't think I will. I think I've been traumatized. (laughs) Wendy's and Taco Bell, I will never eat again.
0: Oh, I got sick off of Wendy's. It was a salad, too, which is really sad. It wasn't even for something really great. It was like their (laughs) strawberry salad, and it probably had that listeria or whatever was making people sick. Oh, no. I got, yeah, really bad case of food poisoning there. I will never go back. Well. Done with you, Wendy's. Yeah, same here. Did you get sick, too?
1: Oh, yeah. I was eating a (laughs) mushroom... Blue cheese bacon burger, and I know that right away it like... sounds like
0: a problem if you're doing that at Wendy's. Yes, <laughs> maybe at was... Ted's that would be okay.
1: Listen, I was so hungry and it sounded so good, so I was like, "Let me just try it." And did that come I right back up? Thought I was having a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> no, driving home, you I might have like, been oh having a heart God. attack. <laughs> and it didn't come out great either, so I just will never again never do it again. Okay, now.
0: were you speeding home? Yes, were <laughs> <laughs> people honking at you? Like, what are you doing? And were you like, it's Wendy's, waving out the window? Well, it was
1: midnight, <laughs> so
0: you there went were... to Wendy's at midnight and got a mushroom bacon burger.
1: Listen, it was back in the day. You know, sometimes you have those cravings, okay? Right? right yes.
0: Well, I have those all the time. I crave things all the time, so that was one of those times. Okay. Now yeah. we get door DoorDash when we have those cravings. We don't even have to go out. Unfortunately, DoorDash was not a thing
1: back then when this happened. So definitely a hazard on the road. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently this guy's also a hazard.
0: He's very scary, but not in the way you would think. So he would befriend women and then go visit them at their home, rape them, and then strangle and kill them. And then usually he would rob them to go buy drugs.
1: Yeah, he doesn't sound like a good time. No.
0: He didn't come across as scary to anybody. He had a very friendly personality so like nobody suspected him
1: and we were watching the 2020
0: yes when you came over the episode is called lock the door behind you if you do want to check it out and it's 2020 i think Uh, on hulu
1: i didn't realize they had a episode on him so it was interesting to watch this before recording
0: yeah it was good we'll talk about it throughout i was gonna make this a short episode you have a bunch of home stuff going on so do i so we're right just you know thick of the building
1: (laughs) we're just stressed all the time
0: (laughs) True story. Yes, <laughs> Ended up being 10 pages anyway, so it'll probably still hit, what, the 45-minute mark after editing?
1: Maybe even longer, because your uh, episodes, you always say, you know, it's going to be a short episode, and then we
0: <laughs> we start recording. I'm like, oh. Uh, I get so interested in it. And and that's not a bad thing. That's I not a that's bad a great thing, thing, but I need some short episode, like half-calf episodes. And I'm like, Jennifer, my next episodes are going to be all... Short 20 30 minutes. It'll be like, hello, freshly blue noir, da da da, da, da. goodbye. <laughs> I know, I was like, us like, on Instagram, Facebook, bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh,
1: so the end of the episode already? <laughs> That's it,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I was like, so summer, it's gonna be like five minutes?
0: Was I was like, it? maybe three and a half minutes, yeah. And then I started reading about. Henry Lewis Wallace. And it ended up being 10 pages. So
1: I think maybe this means that half calf for you is always full calf. Like you can't do half calf.
0: Oh, like in life, huh? It
1: translates that way in everything.
0: Dang. So what should I call my episodes then? So that way I could actually do (laughs) (laughs) like a half episode. You need to call them something else. Maybe they could be like espresso shots. Yeah. Okay. We're going to start calling them espresso shots if they're short episodes. And then I'll see if that works because I like my espresso shots yes you do okay well we'll try that and maybe for the next one so i'm going to try and do some espresso shots for the next episodes i do but this one was not it's gonna be regular yeah this is a fully caffeinated one fully caffeinated episode (laughs) henry lewis wallace aka the taco bell killer are we ready let's do it Like I was saying earlier, Henry Louis Wallace was somebody who would befriend women. All of these women were young, attractive black women who either worked at Taco Bell, where he was a supervisor, or they were friends of his girlfriend, Sadie, who worked at Bojangles. A lot of fast food comes into play here.
1: You know, I'm having flashbacks. Don't have because I (laughs) used to work at a pizza place.
0: Yeah, you did. I did too. I worked (laughs) at Round Table. That was one of my first official jobs.
1: And you worked at Bahama Breeze, but that's not fast food.
0: That was good money too. Usher came in. He would tip the whole patio. I never got there on the days he was.
1: Oh, so you didn't get to serve
0: him? No, I saw him, but I was inside on some of the like eight tops, and he was out there. On the patio, and I knew they were going to get tips so much better. But we still made great tips. This was like in 2004 before the market was like, no, we're not going to do fun things anymore. That's true, yeah. (laughs) People were making it rain with those tips. It was great.
1: I guess we can just imagine that this is our manager.
0: Like, Yes, I'm sure you can imagine. I had some great managers. They were very friendly and people I would trust.
1: Oh, yeah. My manager was always under the influence of something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that comes into play in this as well, because he was actually addicted to crack cocaine. Well,
1: maybe there was some of that, too. I don't know. But... With your
0: manager? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's for another episode. Yes, it is. <laughs> After he was captured, he confessed to killing 11 women, all friends, one of them he even referred to as his little sister. And when asked why he killed these women that were his friends and not strangers, like most serial killers, Wallace had stated that he couldn't imagine killing a stranger. It had to be someone he knew. And this is because he would fantasize about them being his first wife while he raped and murdered them. And we will talk a little bit about his ex he gets married to her and then she ends up leaving him. But it's something throughout his life where he can't let it go. And so all these women either remind him of his ex or he just fantasizes about them being his ex when he is attacking them and killing them.
1: Wow. So he really could not let her go. No.
0: Like he had to imagine them as his ex-wife.
1: And um, just imagine you're his friend as well. Like Doesn't he's so good matter. at like pretending to be someone's friend.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit about his early life. Henry Lewis Wallace was born in Barnwell, South Carolina on November 4th, 1965 to Lottie Mae Wallace, a single mother. He has one sister, Yvonne, and Wallace never knew his father. His childhood home had no electricity or indoor plumbing. He was raised by his mother who worked long hours as a textile worker, and she was verbally abusive to Wallace. He also suffered other types of abuse due to his mother forcing him and his sister to beat each other with a switch. What? Yeah, he did suffer really bad things as a child. At the age of seven, he says he witnessed a gang rape. What? So this is at seven. He's already in an abusive home. His mother's making his sister beat him. He's beating her with a switch, and then he's witnessing a gang rape. Yeah. It's, so he does not have a good upbringing, to say the least.
1: Right. And then on top of that, they have no electricity and no oh, no plumbing. indoor plumbing.
0: Right. Jennifer's thinking that. about Taco Bell right now, uh, like, yes. what she would do with no indoor plumbing. <laughs> bad. Very bad. Yeah. So he had a very rough upbringing. Wallace attended Barnwell High School, where he was elected to the student council and also became the one male cheerleader at his high school. So sounds like he's kind of turning his life around and making the best of his situation, doesn't it? That's pretty cool. Yeah. He then graduated in 1983 and was a disc jockey for Barnwell Radio Station for a short time. And he apparently called himself the Night Rider. Is a disc jockey like a DJ? Yeah. Okay. I guess they would play records at night. What? That- <laughs> <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Are you trying to scratch? Yes. <laughs> do it again? How do you do it? <laughs> people are gonna be like, oh the audio's off
1: I, <laughs> jennifer's trying to scratch i have trouble with sound effects
0: <laughs> but but, but you get the idea <laughs> do you do you get it <laughs> so unfortunately he was caught stealing records and was fired he attended several colleges before joining the u.s navy in 1985 and married his high school sweetheart that same year He started using drugs in the Navy and was served with warrants in Washington for several burglaries. In 1988, Wallace was arrested after breaking into a hardware store. In June of that same year, he ended up pleading guilty to second-degree burglary and was sentenced to two years of supervised probation. According to his probation officer, he did not show up for most of the mandatory meetings.
1: We are friends with some <laughs> probation officers. We, we know that's pretty common.
0: That, yeah, that is pretty common for people to not show up. Yeah and a warrant issued for your arrest. So show up, definitely. Yeah. I told you that I was on probation once, right?
1: For speeding, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know you could get probation for speeding.
0: Yeah, well, I'll tell you <laughs> when a young 23-year-old comes from California to Georgia and's going a little too fast cuz she needs to get to work on time cuz she overslept and then the officer pulls her over and he's like, "Let me see your license." And he sees California. He's like, "Ticket."
1: Is it because you had an out-of-state license? That's why they did that? No,
0: because it wasn't even 30 days. So I, I had time still to get a license. I was driving fast, and then- But when... how
1: fast? Like, Is it faster than I usually go?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was comparable to that. Yeah, I've slowed down a bit since. So I was driving pretty fast, because um, I worked at a gym at the time. I was an assistant manager, and so you I had to open all the that gym. that adrenaline. <laughs> I was like, got to get there. People are waiting <laughs> to get all those treadmills. Got to open those doors. So when I went to court, I was one of the last three to go before the judge. The judge was in a great mood. He was cracking up with everybody. Oh, okay. Giving them these light sentences or just, you know, pay a fee and this and that. Then it got to this one guy right before us last three. He pissed the judge off so bad. And the judge's demeanor changed. He threw the book at this guy and gave him probation and all these fines. Then he's like, who else is left? (laughs) The three of us were looking at each other. We're like, oh, we're up here. So we get up, walk and stand in front of him. He's like, what are you in for? And <laughs> what are you in for? And then he goes through, what are you in for? I was like, speeding. And how do you plea? And he tells me I have this many fines. And the only thing that was on my record was this one speeding ticket. But he says, yep, three months probation. So I would show up to the probation office because I didn't want a warrant. I show up to the probation office with my baby. <laughs> it was like... Six months old. And then my little toddler would just be standing in line. My probation officer, when I first saw her, she was like, speeding. Speeding. (laughs) She goes, really? They gave you probation for that? I was like, yes, he sure did. Dang. Yeah.
1: Curse that person who was right in front of you. Oh, I know. So now you are a criminal. I've, I've ne- no,
0: it's, it's off my record. It's It's been a long time. I have a clean driving record. Great insurance uh, rates. Yeah, I learned from that lesson. I was like, I will not do this again.
1: Like, I'm never speeding in Georgia
0: ever again. <laughs> okay. That was a little tangent. But...
1: But now you know. Now
0: you know. Show speed. up. She doesn't speed anymore. I don't speed anymore. Jennifer does, but she gets away with it. <laughs> I'm like a ninja on the road. <laughs> she is. <laughs> On March 8th, 1990, Wallace committed his first murder. It was 18-year-old Tashonda Bethia, a Barnwell High School student. She was described as beautiful and bright-eyed by family and friends, and Wallace had wanted to date her. Their mothers worked at the same factory and were friends. After Wallace murdered her, he dumped her body in a lake in his hometown, and it was not found until several weeks later. Wallace was questioned by the police regarding her disappearance and death but he was never formally charged. He was also questioned in connection to an attempted rape of a teenage girl in Barnwell, but it appears that no charges were brought against him in that case either. His marriage to Maretta was in bad shape by this time, and they separated. In February of 1991, Wallace broke into Barnwell High School and the radio station where he once worked as a disc jockey and stole expensive video and recording equipment. He was caught trying to pawn the items. Theft is a theme like throughout this part of his life because he was addicted to crack cocaine.
1: Okay. So he's basically trying to steal stuff so he can sell it for money. And to... get high, yes. Gotcha.
0: Is he still in the Navy at this point too? He is, but like he's not on active duty, so he was oh, back home. Okay. In November of nineteen ninety one, Wallace moved back in with his mother and sister, who had relocated to the Charlotte Mecklenburg area of South Carolina. He was fired from several different restaurants and ended up becoming a manager at the local Taco Bell. And this is where his drug addiction really got severe. In 1992, Wallace was honorably discharged from the Navy, even with his record. In in May of that same year, Wallace picked up 33-year-old Sharon Nance. Who had attended Charlotte Mecklenburg schools? She had a son. She had entered into a life of drugs and sex work, which made her an easy target for Wallace and a case the police would most likely not do a thorough investigation into. When she demanded payment for her services, Wallace beat her to death and then dumped her body by the railroad tracks. She was found a few days after.
1: So he doesn't even like to conceal the bodies, he just dumps them.
0: He will drive them to remote places or where he thinks they won't be discovered quickly. Okay.
1: But right now his M.O. is beating women and...
0: Killing them. Okay. Then in June, Wallace lets himself into Sadie McKnight's apartment, who was his girlfriend at the time, using a key he had taken from her. Caroline Love, a 20-year-old college student and co-worker and roommate of Sadie's, comes home to find Wallace in their apartment. Wallace comes up to Caroline and gives her a kiss on the cheek. Caroline tells him to never do that again, and she won't tell Sadie about it, but Wallace proceeds to put Caroline in a chokehold and drags her to the bedroom where he undresses her and rapes her. When she begins to struggle, he grabs a curling iron and chokes her to death with the cord. He then wraps her body in bed sheets, puts her in a large trash bag, and drags her out to his car. And nobody sees this. He drives the body to a wooded area and leaves it there. After he killed her, Wallace joined his girlfriend and Caroline's sister in filing a missing person's report at the local police station after Caroline's sister received a call that she didn't show up for her shift at work. So he has the audacity to go with them to file the police report. So,
1: hiding in plain sight. But you were right. He's like, um, no one's going to suspect me. I'm out here looking for the person. I'm no,
0: right. We were all friends. Yeah. I'm concerned. That's ugh.
1: People who are friends with him, he, then he goes out and looks for these victims, but he's the one who did it. Yeah. It's like, right, the audacity.
0: When an investigator goes out to the apartment, it is noticed that things look like there was a struggle. Since some of the furniture in the room is slightly shifted, the bed sheets are missing, and a roll of quarters that she had had in her room to do her laundry was missing. But her laundry was still there. A report was filed, but there doesn't appear to be anything in the report showing that Wallace was interviewed. Wallace would return to the site where he dumped Caroline's body two days after he murdered her to look at it. He then returned a third time and there were only bones. They wouldn't end up discovering Caroline's body for nearly two years in March of 1994 is when they discovered it.
1: So he's just going back to the scene
0: and- He doesn't do that for all of them, but he did go back and look at her body and he described it as like her skin was starting to shrivel, you know, decomposition that first time he went back. And then he waited a lot longer to go back that second time. And by the time he did, it was just bones.
1: I wonder why. A lot of murders Nostalgic. will go back to the scene.
0: Yeah, like don't they fantasize about what had happened?
1: Sometimes the, there's like necrophilia involved. I know, but it just to go, just like to go was, back and just,
0: just to look at it, look he, at it. He just went back to look at it. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Since Sadie didn't have a roommate anymore, she moved in with Wallace. Then, in February of 1993, Wallace went to visit 20-year-old college student Shauna Hawk in her home. She had worked at the Taco Bell where Wallace was a supervisor and when he arrived she let him in because they were friends. They talked for about an hour and then when he got up to leave and gave Shauna a hug, he told her that he was having trouble with his girlfriend and wanted to have sex with her. Shauna was scared when Wallace took her to the bedroom and told her to undress. She started to cry. She cried the entire time he was raping her. He then told her to get dressed and he took her into the bathroom where he put her in a chokehold and she became unconscious. He proceeds to run a bath and puts her body into it. He then goes upstairs and takes $50 out of her purse and leaves. Her body was discovered by her boyfriend and mother in the home. Investigators would interview co-workers, friends, and classmates, but no leads came from this. Later, Wallace would actually attend her funeral.
1: God, the balls on this guy. Just
0: keep it up that facade. Yeah, they're my friends. I'm
1: concerned and worried too. Is he what do you call it? A um sociopath? He's all the paths.
0: <laughs> Psychopath, yeah. sociopath.
1: Because it seems like he's just so good at befriending people and people just don't think anything
0: of this. Yes, because sociopaths are really good at acting like society wants them to be like yep. charismatic, friendly. I'm a nice guy. And he does seem like that in the
1: documentary. Yeah,
0: when we were watching the interview. Views of him he seems harmless he seems he's got this kind of rounder baby face he, he's very calm collected when he talks doesn't seem like your typical scary serial killer at all
1: yeah you don't get the the rage you don't see it he
0: must snap
1: Well, didn't he say he has two different personalities in him or
0: two different people in him? That's what he says. That's his way of describing it. So there's that person that he says people look at and see and want him to be. And then there's that person that I guess he really is deep down the one that murders people.
1: So I wonder if that's like multiple personality or if that's just kind of what...
0: How he justifies it, maybe. Yeah. Scary.
1: It is scary that people can easily put on that facade. Mm -hmm.
0: On June 22nd of the same year, Audrey Spain, 24 years old, was living in Charlotte and was a co-worker of Wallace's at Taco Bell. He had come over to her apartment with the intention of getting the code for the safe at Taco Bell because he wanted to buy more drugs. When he asked Audrey for the code and she said she didn't know it, he asked her about her personal accounts but she said she had just returned from a trip and so she didn't have any money. Frustrated with her response and wanting money to buy drugs, he put her in a chokehold and dragged her to the bedroom where he raped her while she passed in and out of consciousness from being strangled. He then made a ligature from a t-shirt and bra and strangled her to death. Then he takes her to the bathroom to wash off any evidence, steals her credit card and leaves. Her body was found a few days later after she didn't show up for work. And this is because her manager said that she never missed work and she would even cover a lot of people's shifts. So that first morning when she missed her shift, he drove by her apartment. He noticed her car was there, so he called, left a message. And then when she missed her second shift, one that she was picking up for somebody else, he really thought something was wrong. So he called 911. The officers went over, knocked on her door but they left because she didn't answer. So it wasn't until June 25th, three days later when maintenance workers needed to enter her apartment, that they found her body on the bed. And he had cranked up the AC so the body would not decompose as quickly. And so there wasn't like any smells coming from the apartment. It was super cold when the maintenance workers walked in. Oh, so
1: he did that as a way to conceal the smell, not to preserve the body. He didn't care about
0: her. He did not care about her, no. He cared about just the timing of, I don't want somebody to find out quickly. He just leaves the body there. That's what I'm saying. He just yeah. leaves the body. He's like, I'll just crank up the AC and then it'll just take them longer. But he didn't even try and conceal her body. They did find a piece of the t-shirt that he used to make the ligature stuffed in her mouth. And there were also small abrasions on her back, face, and knee. So they knew this was obviously a homicide. At this point, you might think that the police would think the murders of Shauna and Audrey were similar, right? Both victims were young, attractive black women with no signs of forced entry, like they may have known their killer. Both were strangled with a ligature, and their bodies were washed off with water. Both worked for Taco Bell, the same one. And both women were robbed of a small amount of money. Even with all of these similarities, these two murders are never connected by the Charlotte Mecklenburg police.
1: That does seem odd, because you would think that they're so similar, and they both work at the same place.
0: Yes. No connection was made, though. (sighs) This is very unfortunate. Then on June 10th, Wallace visits the home of 21-year-old college student Valencia Jumper. She was a senior at Johnson C. Smith University in Charlotte studying political science. She was also working two jobs while attending college. Wallace met Valencia through his sister, and they became friends, too. He would even refer to Valencia as his little sister. So this is the one we were talking about earlier, that he would call his little sister.
1: Well, you know, I just finished watching the R. Kelly documentary, and he did the same thing. Really? Yeah. He would make people feel close to him, and then he would assault assault them. them. Yeah. That's why it became more devastating.
0: Because they thought he cared about him. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I'm sure how she felt too, because I mean, he called her his little sister. Yeah, exactly. So obviously to her, it's not alarming that Wallace comes by to say he needed to hang out um, because he had gotten in a fight with his girlfriend. He just needed to talk to someone. After they talked for a while, he told Valencia to call his girlfriend to let her know where he was. When she leaned over to pick up the phone, Wallace started choking her and dragged her to the bedroom where he raped her. He then proceeded to choke her to death with a towel. After Wallace raped and strangled Valencia, he got a bottle of rum from the kitchen and poured it over her body. Then he went to the stove and put a can of beans in a pot and turned on the stove and left it burning so that the apartment would catch on fire. Wallace also took jewelry from her body and then later pawned it. By the time firefighters got there, her body was so badly burned that an autopsy concluded it had been an accident. Wallace attended Valencia's funeral with his sister. Now, later on, after Wallace confesses, her body would be reexamined and the cause of death would be amended to strangulation. So, I guess... they wouldn't have even known it. They wouldn't have thought this was related, a little different. He didn't wash off her body. And then, even though she was strangled her body was burned so badly that maybe it wasn't that noticeable if they're just thinking it was a fire, like she had left a pot of beans on the stove.
1: right? But when they
0: later looked at the body, again, they noticed there was no soot in the lungs from a fire, which if you're sleeping. If you fall asleep and you leave something on the stove, you're going to be breathing while the smoke is going through the place. And there'd be soot in your lungs, but she didn't have any smoke or soot in her lungs. So
1: So maybe it was blocked because she was strangled.
0: She wasn't breathing anymore because she was dead before he started Uh, the fire. That makes sense. Then that would be something they would think could have been like foul play if they had looked at it that way, but they just thought it was an accident.
1: They literally would not have known if he didn't confess.
0: Yeah, they would have never re-examined it. Yeah. Wow. On the evening of September 14th, 1993, just a little over a month later, Wallace goes to the apartment of 20-year-old Michelle Stinson, a college student and friend of his from Taco Bell. Stinson had two sons, a one-year-old and a three-year-old. Wallace comes in, and they talk for a while, and then Wallace tells her he wants to have sex with her. Nervous, she makes up an excuse that she is sick. When Wallace tells her to show him the medicine that she is taking for her supposed illness, she goes into the kitchen, but after not being able to find anything, he forces her to the ground and rapes her. He tries to strangle her on the ground, but she continues to gasp for air. He runs to the bathroom to grab a towel and comes back to attempt to strangle her again. She continues to gasp for air, so he gets out a knife and stabs her while her three-year-old comes into the kitchen. Wallace tells the young child to go back to bed. Before running from the apartment, he wipes off the walls, floor and door with a washcloth to remove any fingerprints and then throws the washcloth and knife over a fence outside. When one of Michelle's friends stops by the house, her son tells them their mom was sleeping on the kitchen floor. There isn't any evidence that the investigator knew Wallace was friends with Michelle, even though it was common knowledge, and noted that she frequented the Taco Bell where Wallace worked.
1: So this is kind of where he starts with a different M.O.
0: Like he stabs... His previous murders, they would pass out. And it sounds like she just... She was fighting. Yeah, he couldn't get her to pass out. That's when he got the knife.
1: And that's when the the baby walked in or the yes, child while
0: he was stabbing her
1: gosh how traumatizing for the little child to to even see that i i mean i don't know if probably don't remember, remember. yeah
0: three he you know the child probably doesn't remember it but obviously i mean the
1: aftermath is there yes you know
0: growing up yeah. going forward So now this is the, well, as far as the murders of people related to him at Taco Bell, now here's a third person. And this is
1: related because she was a customer or did she She, also work there? She was a customer. So he just found his victims either through Taco Bell or through co-workers or
0: friends. Yeah. Yeah. They all either worked at Taco Bell or they worked for, or they were friends of his from Taco Bell or they were friends of his girlfriends. And she worked at Bojangles. Man, you do
1: not want to... End up being
0: friends with this guy. Absolutely not. But they wouldn't know. They would have. Yeah. Yeah. How would you know? At this time, there had been five disappearances and or deaths in the course of just 15 months. And they were all within a five mile radius inside of East Charlotte. The community was predominantly black and were rightfully frightened and angry with the police and accused City Hall of a very careless attitude towards the issue of the missing and murdered black women. The police department decides to hold an emergency press conference and appoints Sergeant Gary McFadden as the lead investigator. Now, you should know that McFadden had no previous involvement in any of the cases, but he was a black man.
1: And he was the lead investigator? No,
0: he had no previous involvement in any of the cases, but he was a black man. What do you think they were trying to do?
1: Send a black man to investigate these these murders? No,
0: they didn't send him to investigate it at this point. This is them holding a press conference and not sending any lead investigator who actually had any knowledge of any of the cases. They picked an investigator that was black to go up in front of everybody. Even though he had no idea. He had no idea about the cases, but they were probably trying to send the message of, no, we care about you. They
1: wanted like the image of
0: representation, possibly. I I think possibly. That's what happened. Why wouldn't you have the people actually investigating these crimes go up and speak to the people? when you hold a press conference. That would make
1: the most sense to me because they would know what's going on with it. I'm not understanding their tactic here. It doesn't make sense. Oh, I think I
0: understand it. Let's do some smoke and mirrors. Let's make it look like we care. Yes, yes. I think that's what they were trying to do. So maybe to
1: kind of settle the community. I think they were trying. I
0: think that's what they were trying to do. Okay, I can see that. The police did increase patrols in the East Charlotte area, which may have hindered Wallace from attempting to attack and kill women in the area for a little while. In addition, he became a father just three months after killing Michelle Stinson. But the baby was not Sadie's. This was from another woman.
1: Okay. Um, do so, you yes, know he's, anything so about?
0: So he's raping women and killing them. And he has a girlfriend. And then he also has some other person that he impregnated and has a baby with.
1: He sounds like a great guy.
0: <laughs> February 4th of 1994, Wallace is arrested for shoplifting, given a court date, and then released. He did not appear for his court hearing and a warrant issued for his arrest. Appear for your court hearings for sure. (laughs) Definitely. Yes. (laughs) Don't want a bench warrant. No. People think, oh, it'll expire. They don't expire. We're two people that work for the court system. (laughs) Trust us. Forever. (laughs) Yes. Although there is no record of any attempts being made to apprehend him, here is where he becomes even more violent and reckless with his murders. And at this point, he is still struggling with his addiction to crack.
1: So I wonder if. Like, even if he wasn't doing crack, would he still be doing this? Or does this crack addiction just fuel his behavior?
0: That's a good question.
1: I'm not an expert on crack, but
0: I'm sure I'm glad you're not.
1: (laughs) I have (laughs) no experience with it. But, I mean, I just imagine that it enhances, you know...
0: Whatever feelings are there or aggression is there. That's what I would think, but... It is why he would go to these women's homes is because he was looking for money. But then also... He's raping and killing them. He's not just robbing. So there's something else there, I think, besides just the need for money. Don't do crack. Yes. We don't promote drugs.
1: No. Just <laughs> caffeine.
0: Legal drugs. Yes. <laughs> On February 20th, 1994, just one day after Shauna's mother had made a public plea for her daughter's murderer to be captured, Wallace visits Vanessa Little Mac, 25 years old, at her apartment. Vanessa knew Wallace through her sister who was a co-worker of his at Taco Bell. They talked for a little while and then Wallace asked Vanessa if he could have a hug, but she refused. He then asked her if he could have a drink and when she turned, he took out a pillowcase from under his shirt and started choking her with it. He told her to give him her bank card and her code for it. She gave him a code. Then he dragged her into the bedroom and raped her. Afterwards, he told her to get dressed and then strangled her with a towel. When he left, he went straight to her bank and tried to take out money. But the code Vanessa gave him was the wrong one. Good.
1: Uh, <laughs> I know. Like, like, good I mean... job,
0: Vanessa. Just a little F to him at the end.
1: Yeah. It's mm-hmm. Like, no, you know,
0: you don't get much right. anything from me. Yep. Her mother found her body the next morning, but there was no report about her murder on the news that night. Investigators did make a note in Vanessa's case that her sister worked at the same Taco Bell. As Shauna or Audrey Spain, so there was a note in there starting to kind of link some of them together, with obviously Taco Bell being the the piece that links them.
1: Yeah, if I was working at Taco Bell and then all of my coworkers start, you know, disappearing uh-huh. or, or end their up friends, murdered, yeah.
0: You'd wonder, what's the connection, right? Yeah, and the people related to certain people. Certain people.
1: It's like something seems odd.
0: Yes, the common denominator is Henry Wallace, and then, of course, anyone he knew through his girlfriend, Sadie.
1: But he's getting away with it so far. He is. So I wonder what... uh, I'm sure we'll talk about how they figure out it's him.
0: Yes. March 8th, 1994, Wallace went to 24-year-old Betty Jean Bauckham's apartment complex... It was just one day after her birthday. Betty knew Wallace through his girlfriend, who was her coworker at Bojangles. Wallace told Betty he needed to use her phone, and then when she turned her back to him, he grabbed her and demanded the keys to the safe combination at Bojangles and the alarm code. Betty resisted for over 30 minutes, refusing to give them to him. When she finally gave him the code, he stopped choking her, and she asked him why he did that Wallace told her he had hurt many people and was sick. Hmm. So he's aware that he's messed up. Yes. Betty told him he needed some help, and then Wallace grabbed her by the throat and pushed her to the floor. He dragged her to the bedroom, put a towel around her neck, and choked her until she was almost unconscious. Then he took her clothes off and raped her. Afterwards, just like with the previous victims, he ordered her to get dressed, demanded money from her, and then strangled her to death. After Wallace murdered Betty, he robbed her of several valuable items, and then he drove off in her car. He pawned everything except for the car, which he left at the shopping mall in the area. That very night, he went back to the same apartment complex and goes to see Brandy June Henderson, an 18-year-old mother and high school student because he knew her boyfriend, Vernon Lamar Woods, was at work that evening. Brandy knew Wallace and let him in when he said that he had something to drop off for Vernon. So his MO remained the same. He would chat it up to get her to drop her guard. And then as soon as Brandy turned her back, he attacked her from behind with a chokehold. He demanded money from Brandy, but all she had in the house was a Pringles can full of change. He took her into the bedroom and told her to take off her clothes, but she begged him to let her go so she could hold her son, who was crying. At first, he refused to let her leave the room, but then he told her she could. Brandy went and got her crying son and held him across her chest. Wallace proceeds to rape her. Then he tells her during the rape they have to move into the baby's room to keep the baby quiet and then continue to rape her in there. He would tell her to get dressed. Brandy put the baby back in the crib. Then Wallace gets a towel from the bathroom and strangles Brandy with it. Brandy's baby starts crying louder and Wallace starts to panic. He then gets a smaller towel from the bathroom and ties it around the baby's neck tightly like a ligature. The baby, being unable to breathe well, starts choking and gasping for air, but is unable to cry any longer. Wallace then steals the TV and stereo before leaving, which he sells for $175 to buy crack with. When Brandy's boyfriend returns to the apartment, he finds her dead and he sees that his baby is not breathing right with only short, shallow gasps of air. He removes the ligature on the baby's neck and calls the police. Their baby is rushed to the hospital and does survive.
1: Gosh, what a just crazy scene to Isn't think that about.
0: Awful, it's so awful. His intention was to leave the baby to, to die. die. Yeah. And we actually watched him on 2020. He obviously doesn't remember what happened, but when he sees pictures from that night of himself, he said, If somebody showed me these pictures, I would say, Well, that baby didn't survive. Just the way he looked after being strangled with the ligature. That's what he thinks. And then he goes, wait, that that baby was me. And I did survive and I'm living. He's married now with kids, still goes to his mother's grave and um, got really emotional about it. He's the only survivor, right? He's the only survivor of Henry Louis Wallace that we know of. Yes.
1: It is emotional because he goes to his mother's grave and cleans it. Yeah. And it talks to her. yeah, Yeah. It's an emotional scene it's good to see that he was somehow able to still you know
0: go on and lead a very happy life
1: right because like you said he has a family now and he's been able to go forward Mm -hmm. somehow
0: now the police had two more murders with the same ligature strangulation and no forced entry they start to connect the dots finally and realize the last three women had been murdered in the same manner and that the last two women had lived in the same apartment complex.
1: That's so crazy.
0: Investigators went to their families and started collecting lists of people each woman might let into their apartment. Wallace appeared on all three lists.
1: So they're saying that he's a common denominator here.
0: Finally, yes. Then on March 11th, Betty's car was discovered. Wallace had wiped his fingerprints off the steering wheel, handles, gear shift, and seat, but not the trunk. One handprint was recovered and it matched Wallace's. When they ran his prints and his name came up, linked to several burglary charges and an outstanding warrant for failing to appear on the shoplifting charge, a city-wide search began for Wallace. While the search for him was taking place, Wallace was visiting Deborah Slaughter, who used to work at Bojangles with his girlfriend. Wallace wanted to talk her into buying some crack with him. She told him she needed her money for rent. Wallace asked her for a drink, and when she turned her back to him, he started strangling her with a towel. Deborah accused him of murdering Betty and Brandy. Wallace then raped her, told her to get dressed, and asked her to empty her purse. Wallace took her money, and then Deborah slapped him and screamed for the police. He then put a sock in her mouth tied the towel around her neck, and stabbed her 38 times in the chest and stomach with a knife she had had in her purse. Oh, my gosh. He stabbed her with her own knife that she had for protection. And he said he knew about the knife, because was friends with her, so he knew she always carried a knife for protection. God. The next day, on March 12, 1996, Wallace was apprehended by the police. He immediately confessed to the murders and said that a big burden had been lifted from him. Oh, Oh,
1: God. <laughs> Like, yeah, we're doing oh, you a yeah, favor. yeah, that's okay. great.
0: Oh, I feel better now that I've told you all that I've murdered all these people. He went on trial in September of 1996 and was pronounced guilty on January 7th, 1997. Then on January 29th, he was given nine death sentences. He is currently on death row in Riley, North Carolina.
1: Well, good. So
0: currently he is still waiting. He does not have an execution date. D. Sumter, the mother of Shawna Hawkes, would found Mothers of Murdered Offspring, a support group and network of families who have lost children to violence. Ms. Sumter would state that since the victims were black women and weren't prominent people with economic status, they weren't of importance to the community so their murders weren't investigated correctly or with any urgency. Deborah Slaughter's father also believed that each of these murders took a low priority with the police because of race and economic status. He believed the women just weren't important to the police. The police would say that their inability to catch Wallace was due to inexperience with investigating serial murder. They stated that they sought the help of the FBI in 1994, and we're told the murders were not the work of a serial killer and that Wallace didn't fit the profile since he was black and most serial killers were white. Serial killers are also expected to kill strangers and he was killing friends and coworkers, So it didn't fit that profile.
1: I'll give them that. They usually don't go after like friends and family. Um, yeah.
0: Ser- but... And people that are related to each other, unless it's in that one murder, like they kidnap two people at once that are together at the scene. But yeah, serial killers don't usually kill within their family and friend circle. That is unusual. Right. So that could have thrown them off. I'll give them that. But But I don't
1: know if I don't think
0: that's the biggest part of it. It could be part of it, but don't you think it was because of race? They didn't really care to investigate. They didn't find these women important enough to really dig in deep. Yeah.
1: We know that this is still kind of a common thing, too. That's why they have to advocate for themselves. We need to... Their stories
0: aren't shared enough. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So I don't doubt that that's one of the issues. And also, I think serial killers can be of any race, as we have
0: talked about on this show. Right. <laughs> Samuel Little, he has one of the highest counts. Yeah.
1: All serial killers are not majority white crazy men.
0: And at this time, it was the 90s. So maybe there wasn't as much information out about serial killers. other serial killers. right? But still, I... I think that was part of it, but I don't think that was the biggest issue. Because if they really dug deep, even not even deep, I mean, all these women were at Taco Bell and two of them literally worked at the same one and they were yeah. friends with Wallace and he knew all these women. There was that connection there.
1: So maybe it just wasn't a priority.
0: Yeah. Like her dad had said, it wasn't a priority. So sad. Yeah. Because it
1: could have been solved sooner.
0: I believe so. And
1: prevented more deaths.
0: Yes, since his incarceration, Wallace has confessed to other murders that he claims to have committed while stationed around the world during his time in the Navy. If he is telling the truth, his death toll is nearly 20. On June 5th, 1998, Wallace married a prison nurse, Rebecca Torres, who is 23 years older than him. They were married in the room next to the execution chamber. Seriously? Seriously? <laughs> If you're going to marry a serial killer, I guess yeah, marry them next to the execution room. Okay. I know. Just, I <laughs> will never understand this. I don't like, I don't get why people fall in love and get obsessed with serial killers to the point of like marrying them. I, I don't understand it. it it's beyond
1: comprehension i yeah. think is it because he's a serial killer i don't i don't, I don't understand I don't, I don't
0: understand it either d sumter's organization offered to work with the police department in charlotte to train the investigators to be more sensitive to the kinds of issues they were overlooking and increase communication between the investigators which could have helped put these pieces together sooner but there has been no briefing on the investigation
1: oh wow and that was back in the 90s yes
0: yeah, so that was in the 90s um so they never took her up on her offer
1: Hmm. I mean, why not? Why not? I know. She's trying to get more knowledge. Yes. Like use these tools to help be better investigators. Yeah, because
0: one of the biggest things. together better. Right. One of the biggest things was they weren't communicating about these cases. Here's the things that happened. Oh, well, that happened in my case, too. Like she also worked for Taco Bell. She also was strangled. There also was no forced entry. So if they would have
1: talked about it.
0: Yeah. Wasn't high priority.
1: That's unfortunate to hear. I,
0: But had you ever heard about this case before? No. I hadn't either.
1: I've never heard about this. When you told me it was the Taco Bell killer, I was like,
0: what? And you were scared for other reasons. <laughs> I was.
1: <laughs> but it, I mean, it's surprising how many people he killed.
0: Like, yeah, it sounds like closer to 20. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's always scary to hear that these are people who've been in the military who are trained. Not to kill people, but they have that training to overpower. The the combat training, which the
0: average person doesn't have. So that's why he was able to put these women in chokeholds that they pretty much couldn't get free of.
1: It was darker than I thought it would be.
0: Yeah. He killed more people than I realized, because like I said, I thought this would be a shorter episode. And then as I started looking into it, I was like, okay, there's 11 women here. I thought it was, I think, two or three. And he admits to... More. More. He admits yeah. to
1: more, and I mean, I'm glad he's locked up now, and he's never getting out. So no, he's
0: never getting out. Still, no execution date, but he's just sitting there on death row with his wife visiting, I guess, by his side. I don't know. Jesus. They don't get conjugal visits, do they? I don't know. Do they? I don't. On I don't death row. Oh, hold on, let's look that up. Jennifer's like, they can't be having sex. They should not be enjoying their life no. absolutely not absolutely not do death row inmates get conjugal visits even in states that allow conjugal visits for other prisoners death row prisoners are not entitled to conjugal visits and no state officially permits conjugal visits for death row prisoners okay but it says officially permits so is there they some may have kind of slipped there? in yeah they may have slipped in a couple of them hmm. any final thoughts on that well, I'm glad that he's just sitting and suffering, not happy, yeah, but it's just it's sad all around for the families and you know the kids that grew up without their moms. I know um, the moms that grew up without their daughters it's just terrible.
1: It's always weird to me too, how it's always there's always sex involved in these murders, like male serial killers yes, just always sex is involved, yeah, why?
0: But it's always violent, too. Yeah. It's it's usually, it's not obviously consensual, so it's still about power. So what can you take from somebody? Take their life, you can take their, you know, take them sexually, and that's, uh, without their consent, that's just more power that they have over them. So it's just, I think it's all about control and taking something from somebody.
1: Yeah, power
0: can definitely be
1: a factor in that, like feeling that power over somebody. Yeah. So maybe that's what it is. On to the next one, I suppose. Oh, I
0: know. So, And you don't have anything planned yet. No. It's going to be up in the air. Okay. Mine are too. So we'll, it'll just be a surprise package next uh, next recording. Yeah. We'll see what we have. So anything else?
1: Well, we just, you know, we want to encourage people to get out there and vote. Yes. We're we not do. preaching.
0: We're not a political podcast, but... Get out there and vote. You guys, you want rights. Don't get discouraged. Just get out there. Our voice matters, and we have to take control. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. All fresh, the socials. All the socials at Freshly Brood Noir. You can email us at Noir at gmail.com if you have some show ideas.
1: Yes, and uh, if you could rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts.
0: And Spotify, too, I believe.
1: And Spotify. Leave us a review of your thoughts. Yeah. You know? We want to know what your thoughts are. All right. So until next time... Stay caffeinated.
0: Get hobbies. And don't murder people. Bye. Bye. Bye.